Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Eden Brook Productions. Eden Brook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Eden Brook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today. I am super excited for this episode. So let me tell you a little bit what's going on. For the next couple of episodes, I went to be a part of Life Fest Music Festival in Oshkosh, Wisconsin this past summer. And a good friend of mine, John Doherty, which you guys, if you've been following the podcast, he was the end of season two talking about music festivals. Uh, John Doherty was my guest on that episode. And John is the director of Life Fest. And so he asked me, because I go up and I perform um, at the festival and uh, get to work and be a part of that thing. And so we worked it out for me to be able to have live audience participation in my podcast for the first time. And I've been looking forward to doing this for a long time and wanting to have an opportunity to have a live audience conversation. And so the audience can ask questions to either myself or to the guests. And so we finally got to do that. So for the next uh, three episodes, first ever live recording with an audience. And so I'm super excited about that. So I just wanted you guys to know kind of what's going on. So it's a little bit of a different feel because there's going to be audience members asking questions um, to the guests or to myself. And so it's going to take a little different feel than, than what it normally does when we're together in the studio. So I just wanted you to know kind of what the difference is and how it might sound a little different. It might feel a little different, but it's super cool. And I'm very, very excited about this. So all that being said, today on this episode from Life Fest Music Festival in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, I am talking with Ben McDonald of the band Sidewalk Profits. Sidewalk Profits has three major studio albums, five number one hits, and eight top five songs under their belt. They've solidified their place among the elite artists in Christian music. As a founding member, Ben has been one of the leading songwriters and guitar players in the band. We are discussing how to handle the hardships and successes of getting a band off the ground, as well as the ever-changing involvement Ben has in the band as he has recently stepped off the stage but continues to be a driving force behind the band's songwriting, creativity, and success as their manager. Plus, we talk about the importance of being resilient in the industry to be successful. Please enjoy my conversation from LifeFest, live audience with Ben McDonald today. Welcome. My name is John Martin Keith. I am from Nashville, Tennessee. And thank you guys for coming and hanging out with us. So I am a recording artist, um, songwriter, and a producer. I'm a guitar teacher, I, a booking agent. I'm a worship pastor. I 
do all kinds of stuff. So I do concerts, I do guest worship leading, so I tour around the country and I fill in for worship leaders, uh, different churches, and give them a break on the weekend. So every Sunday I'm out leading worship at different churches, that kind of thing. So the podcast, You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry, is for people that are wanting or are actively trying to make a living in music, in any format. So we always think of, you know, I'm going to make a living in music. Well, you think you got to be an artist or a songwriter or a producer. And those are really the three things that everybody relates to. And um, there's so much more than just those things. I mean, there's putting on a, a music festival. John Doherty, the director of music or the director of Life Fest, um, is on the podcast. And so he has talked about what it takes to put on a music festival. Mike here is running this stage. You know, this is all part of the music business. Um, so thank you guys for coming and hanging out and listening, and I hope you're going to learn some cool things. And if you're interested in making a living in music on something, that's awesome. We're going to have, um, he's going to have a microphone. If you want to ask questions, even if you're like, I don't really want to make a living in music, I'm just interested in what the conversation is going to be, please feel free to, a to ask questions as we get into this. Please welcome Mr. Ben McDonald from Sidewalk Profits. Ben, thank you so much, man, yeah, for you. joining me and being a part of this. Yeah, it's, I'm excited to be here. So, um, Tell us, so Sidewalk Profits, you guys started in Anderson, Indiana, right? We did. Uh, we started in Anderson. I, I was a 21-year-old freshman, believe it or not. I, I was raised in a musical family, and I ended up... Um, Gosh, the two years after high school, I kind of just lived with my parents, and I really wanted to—I really wanted to be in a band. And I went to Anderson, and I remember on uh, day one, I just started introducing myself to people and saying, "Hey, my name's Ben. I play guitar. I want to be in a band." And my resident assistant in my dorm room said, "Well, you should meet the—you should meet my roommate, Dave, uh, who is Sidewalk Prophets' lead singer." And uh, and so I went in there, and he was playing video games. I remember he was sitting in a beanbag chair. And I was like, you know, I was like, hey, I hear you can sing all right. And I remember he sang, like, he had written songs. I had written songs. He, he, and he sang. And I was like, I didn't realize how talented he was. And so, but I was like, well, I, like, hey, man, do you want to come, like, sing, you know, some of the songs I wrote? And then he would come down to our room, and we'd kind of exchange So. He, he was singing songs that I wrote, and then he was playing songs that he wrote, and then we started writing together. And that's really where the, the band started. So. so as a songwriter, when you start, did you, were you writing songs before you met him? Like, is yeah. that something that really you were doing for songs, a while? Really bad songs. Really bad songs? Do you know what that feels like? like oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> yeah. I tell, you, I tell people this, the, the worst song title I'd ever I'd ever come up with. I don't think it can get any worse than this. When I was a teenager, it's, my heart and dreams have all been shattered. Oh. <laughs> you know, woe is me. I mean, good yeah. grief. You know, it's like, and I had a really good life. Yeah. I, I was just trying to be dramatic for whatever reason. So, like, I don't know if you can get worse than that. But when's the last time? When's the last time you played that one? I never played it. Okay. <laughs> I, I got the title and I got some lyrics. Yeah. I still got the lyrics for yeah. it. Um, and I just, that's as far as I got. I never put music to yeah. it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, what's the worst song that you ever wrote back starting out, you think? <laughs> oh, do you know? I don't know if I can trump yours. Uh, I, there's so many. And honestly, even till today, you know, we've been doing this now for 20 years. There's a, like, 
even though we've gotten better at songwriters, you still write stuff that feel like yeah. you're like, oh, like. And, but you've got to do that to get to the good stuff. Yeah. And, and that's one of the, I think that's one of the misconceptions that I had looking at all my favorite artists you know, growing up was, well, they always just make great songs. The truth is you only hear the good songs. There's a thousand bad songs that are sitting in, you know, somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that even carries over, for, you know, even your so like I'm still, you know, I'm 40 now, but I'm still, we're still writing a lot of bad <laughs> A lot of bad songs along the way, so I'd probably be I I could remember the the worst song, the most recent worst song that we wrote, uh, better than I can remember the early ones. I think so. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Uh, now you guys have, is it five number one hits? We do. Um, That's awesome. And I only know that I don't keep that like. Thank you so much. I, I keep that. I don't keep that like locked in my register. But uh, I just saw it on a, a email that came through. So uh, we have. And what a crazy thing to to be a kid or, or and dream to be able to do this, mm -hmm. and then to come here. You know, be a, especially after the, the past year to be at Live Fest yeah. and to be a part of this community. Like it's just an unbelievable. Um, just an unbelievable thing. Like, all we, I remember our dream was like, we just wanted to have a song on a radio station. And here we are, having been on radio stations across the world, multiple songs. And you just got to hold on to that and really cherish that. And then we're not promised to, to be able to have the, that success yeah. for forever. And so it's just an amazing, been an amazing journey. So. So what was it that got you into music to begin with as a kid that mm -hmm. you'd like, I, I want to do music for a living. Like, what was that sort of catalyst to do that? So th th that question brings to, uh, to memory uh, family get-togethers. And I came from a musical family. We weren't like a traveling, you know, ba family band or anything. But my grandfather played fiddle uh, and in vaudeville, like he played fiddle. My and my father played guitar. And so uh, we, they would have jam sessions at all, you know, Christmases and everything. And so we learned we're Scottish, so we had a lot of Scottish, you know, tunes. And, and so that we grew up with that. And so that was, um, we just loved music. I, I started playing piano at a young age. And I th think my parents thought that I had a gift in doing that. And so they put me with a piano teacher that w was a, a prominent in the local area. And she really invested in in that and saw the you know the desire and and um i don't know that i would call it a skill but just a love for like creating you know mm -hmm. yeah so once you guys once you and dave meet in college mm -hmm. you start writing some songs together mm -hmm. um how long did it take you to now did, did sidewalk profits birth at that moment in college like did you guys get the band together all from anderson all from school together or did they yep. kind of come later so, so i don't know that and david would pr partially agree with this um i think he would agree like i want i don't think he was expecting when, when we started i don't think he was expecting to be in a band but I went there. That's the only reason I went to college is I wanted to be in a band. Yeah. And so we, when we started playing songs, um, I just knew like I, that's I've been kind of driving, you know, driving mm -hmm. that. And so so it started out like just the two of us. And then uh, I got, you know, got us a band. And, and then we started uh, recording. Uh, the first song we, we wrote was a song called Relentless. And that's the first time we ever wrote together. 
and we record it on a soundboard not too different from your soundboard that you're using to, to record the podcast. And I didn't know what we were doing. You know, that's it's called multi-track recording. Back then, I didn't know what that. You know, I didn't even know that what there was a name for what I was doing. Right. You know, yep. it was like a sound card and a PC yeah. computer or whatever. And so we would record. I'd play guitar, and then we would record another instrument, and we started sharing that on the network at college. And and then all of a sudden, uh, at the time, we didn't have a band name. And so I would call us, we were called Four Floors to Heaven because we were on the fourth floor of our dorm. And I just needed to name the files that I was saving, like these MP3 files. I needed to name them. Yeah. And so we did that. People, uh, the campus network at the time, people, you could share your music like around the campus. It's a little bit different than it is today, but everybody on campus had access to the files and you could set up your own little public file system or with, with your music or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, at Anderson, they started a student-run record label. Nice. And we didn't know about that. But we had a, one of our friends had gotten our music off that network and submitted us to be... A, like to audition for that uh, for that record label, and so we went in, and we ended up winning that. Uh, just you know, just the two two guys, and we went ended up winning that thing, and it was our first taste of music business. So the, the part of their agreement there was, hey, we won this thing. They're gonna record a four song uh, demo. We had I remember they we did it at Gaither Studio, so the Bill and Gloria Gaither at their big studio, and then we had like John Mellencamp's drummer at the time came and played on it, and wow. and all these things. But I learned an important lesson there. Um, is so they, they were like, hey, you need to get a real band name, not Four Floors to Heaven. So that's Sidewalk Profits. That's what came out of that. That. So what? What is Sidewalk Profits? What came? What made you come up with that name specifically? So, so Sidewalk, um, that part of the name came from a Jars of Clay. So we were big fans of the band Jars yeah. of Clay, and there, um, there is a uh, a lyric from one of their songs that talks about uh, images on the sidewalk. And I, Dave knows that better because he came up with that part of it. But basically, that lyric from that song speaks about how God could be speaking through anything. Right. So whether it be sidewalk chalk on the sidewalk or a song or a sign you see or a conversation you have. So so that's where sidewalk came from. Profit actually came from, I'm a, I'm a word nerd, so I like playing, you know, Scrabble and all those things. Well, I had a word of the day dictionary and the word it was prophet was the the word of the the day and that was somebody who spoke truth about life and the, so when we were talking about it, it was like we're, when you put the two together we're looking for god in all things mm-hmm. and we're speaking truth about life and so uh it wasn't a flippant uh the way we named our band wasn't flippant it was very intentional so, yeah that's yeah. great i mean yeah. that's great history to people for people to know what where those things come from because we just hear the names of Bands or the names of an album or a song title or whatever, and we just we don't sometimes we don't yeah. think that much about it, right? You know, but to know the history and that there's a deep meaning underneath that kind of carries the weight of what that's about mm-hmm. is m- makes it more meaningful for us mm-hmm. as an audience and as listeners. So that changes it changes your perspective sometimes. You know, yeah. it's like <laughs> it's funny. It's like sometimes I don't there's there's artists that you listen to on the radio or a CD or whatever, and I'm like, I'm not a huge fan of that particular music or that artist necessarily. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I go to a concert and I see them perform for the first time. It's like, wow, that was really amazing. They're really good. you know. And then all of a sudden it's like, I like that music. I'm going to go listen to a CD, and then I got a different perspective. Does that make sense? Do you guys, yeah. do you guys feel that way ever? Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so f- for people that are listening to the podcast, as this is being recorded, we're actually at Life Fest uh, up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin in 2021. And so this is the first, this is the first ever live interactive podcast with an audience. So thank you guys for being my first audience. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, yeah, so for people listening, there's going to be questions from the audience and things like that. So that's going to be really cool. Um, so let's let's talk about you guys going out and touring. Mm-hmm. Now, when you guys first started, are you booking yourselves, or did you get someone to do your booking for yeah. you? So so I've always been that. So kind of visionary, but also the engine. Mm-hmm. And I think you. We talked a little bit beforehand. You and me are the same you're, person. Yeah, it's like and we're both Scottish. Uh, yeah. Background. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. That's cool. The uh, I didn't bring my kilt, but maybe <laughs> next year. Uh, the uh, so the, we were booking ourselves, and my my philosophy from the beginning was, we used to just go when you're just starting out in music, you're not going going to make any money doing it, and so our goal was just to play wherever we could as much as we could and that is really what opens the doors for those opportunities it was like we had to like not make anything for a long time before somebody says hey we'll pay you a hundred dollars to do you know and that's in college that's what we were doing we played coffee houses and then all of a sudden we would meet somebody and said man i really like you guys and then they'd say hey well why don't you come to play at our youth camp and then all of a sudden we played a youth camp and then there'd be somebody at a booking agency or somebody that works at a big summer camp that was like, hey, why don't you come all, all summer long and do that? And those things kind of just multiplied and multiplied. But you had to be willing at the beginning to know that, hey, it's a more of a long-term commitment. You're not just going to come out of here and just you know be able to make a living at it. So I understand that very well. Yeah. Um, I had a band in college called Hand to the Plow. Mm-hmm. And so we did a very similar thing. We recorded an album in college, and then we would go play different youth events, yeah. you know, youth retreats or summer camps or whatever. So we did that for like two years, put out an album, and then, you know, eventually people started, you know, inviting us to come do things. But you had to just kind of put yourself out there. Yeah. You know, it's not a matter of <laughs> as soon as you put record an album or go play one show, it's like people are knocking down the doors to mm-hmm. bring you in, and that's just not the way that it works, unfortunately, for most mm-hmm. people. Every right. now and then, some, someone gets signed at the beginning, and then you're yep. off and running. Yes, yep. um, yes, we got a question. Tell, me, tell us your name, and... I'm Ann. Hi, Ann. Uh-huh. Hi. Uh, is there a way to kind of get into the college area, or be get invited, or what kind of doors are open there? As an artist, or to do what? As the artist, as a group, to be inspiring, or... Yeah. Um, Have you guys done much of the college circuit? Uh, We haven't, like, right, what's the, you know the organization that... Yeah, yeah, it's the... So, there's what's called NACA. Yep. What is it? NACA. There's two of them. That's one... If you go to my listen to my podcast, so you can make a living in the music industry. Okay, um, there is there are two episodes. There's two episodes. There's one artist. Her name is Lauren Light, L I G H T. And then there's another episode with a, with a guy named Mark Miller. Those are the two episodes you want to listen to because Mark Miller is a booking agent for the college market. That's specifically what he does. Uh, Nashville. 
<laughs> yeah, and then Lauren Light is an artist and uh, and songwriter and different things. She's actually in North Carolina, but she is actually one of Mark's. Uh, she's an artist who's on his roster, mm -hmm. and um, she does TV and yeah. film sync stuff as well, and we do stuff together. But she also she plays that market a lot. Mm -hmm. So if you look up those two episodes. Um, and I think they're both season two episodes, I believe. But that will give you all the information on that that you want. So but basically, the general idea is there's these NACA and there's another one um, that you have to, if you want to play the college market, you have to become a member of this organization. And you go to these, uh, these events that they put on once or twice a year. And you have to audition. And you to, there's like this, you know, a stage thing you get on, you do in auditions, whatever, and they have people from different campuses, different colleges come and listen to you, and then if they're interested, then they will book you to come play. But you have to go through that organization. It's a very, very strict, specific thing that you have to do. It's, it's not as easy as you would think it'd be. You'd think you'd be like, hey, let's just go, um, let's call up some colleges and go play. You know, and it, fortunately, it's not that easy. Yeah. Do they allow Christians? Uh, you can... Um, it's not specific for Christian artists. I mean, you can go, you can try it, you know. If secular colleges would, they might have a band once in a while. Maybe. I mean, it would depend on what your music, kind of what the focus is as a Christian music artist. Um, now, if you're wanting to go to like Christian colleges, so he and I both went to Christian colleges. He went to Anderson <laughs> University. Yep. Uh, and I went to Ozark Bible College, or Christian College in uh, Joplin, Missouri. And um, so, I mean, I had, I had success getting our band into playing different events, some colleges and some, it's still mostly church events or youth events, things like that. But um, there's not really a specific, like the NACA for the colleges. There's not a Christian music version of that yeah. um, necessarily. Now, Mark Miller and I did, we had that conversation when we did my podcast um, and he kind of talks more in detail about that. So, yeah, yeah. When a young band is um, starting out in there in the, these small communities and that, it seems like you know, they kind of get worn out there and pigeonholed. I mean, just the same after the same, and they never make the leap to something more. Can mm -hmm. you say, kind of give some tips for getting beyond? And they're all happy to have you, but it, it gets, it's too repetitious. Yeah. So You'll take that? where do you yeah, go sure. after that? Yeah. I think that's a great question. I think you have to really determine what you want. Um, and I think, I, you know, I think we're probably similar and, uh, you know, our experiences are pretty similar. Uh, it is like without knowing what you want, um, you're not going to be able to achieve your goals. And I think that's the biggest thing. So if you're, if you're saying, and I don't, I don't know if you're, if you're, if you're in a band or represent some of your kids do. Yeah. So, so, um, you, you have to kind of, what I would do is I would target things. So you're saying, hey, specifically, it's hard for me to get out of my city, right? Like, it's like I've got great connections in my town because I know all those people, but I'd like to get out of those. So it's like, what, you got to say, well, where, where are the doors that could be open in other cities? So is that, there's a lot of different ways you could approach it. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like a, a Nancy Drew sleuth about those kind of things. So like, if it's, if it's you know, Christian music that you're focused on, then, hey, I might map out 
you know, churches within a 60 mile radius and then start reaching out to them and say, hey, I've, we've got this band. Or if it's not that, maybe you call a chamber of commerce and say, hey, do you have either if you're specifically looking for booking and playing, then you could look at like a chamber of commerce and say, hey, do you have any local events, fairs? And then I, I would just compile that list, find the contacts and I would just start reaching out and sending them. If you've got recordings of your music or, uh, you know, an, a, a some kind of press kit online or something. I would send them those things. So, how do I get bands to come where I am, my venue? You have a venue. Well, yeah, but I want them to. You know, like I can't pay a lot. We get, we do give them some. You know, something. Yeah. But the point is, how do I get uh, Illinois ones from the churches that I see mm-hmm. come up to where we are? Yeah. How do I look good to them? I don't want to exhaust them and wear out these musicians. Yeah. They're, they're wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't think you're going to exhaust music. We're doing music because we want to play music for a living, and so and we want to come play venues. If someone comes to me and says, "Hey, I want you to come play my venue," I'm my head perks up. Really, you want me to come play? Of course, I want to come play. You know, now, granted that you start getting into the financial side of things and that has some bearing depending on where you are in your career. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're starting out and you're a young artist or young band and you're looking for opportunities and it's within a reasonable distance to get to, you know, for whatever it is that you can afford to pay, then I'm going to come. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I, I did that all the time when I was starting out. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yeah, what can you tell more about your venue? What like what tell how what what's the capacity of it and how long have you been open and how many shows have you done there? Well, we kind of did the community thing with my daughter's band and that and they're mm-hmm. kind of getting they're just kind of like disbanding because they've done that. But what I'm saying yeah. is, how can I restir the pot? How can I get them to come? Maybe maybe a good thing is to do is find out what's keeping them from coming to you. If you can find out, like if you are saying you're wanting people to come to your venue, but you're trying to get, you're having a hard time getting them to come, do you go to that artist and say, hey, I want you to come play my venue? Do you ever just ask them out, right? I want you to come play my, at my venue? I did with Laughlin. It was a blast. Okay. It was cool because they were going through and I just took the opportunity. Yeah. And they said, you know, Mrs. P, why are you, are you having us? <laughs> yeah. But it, so it was fun. But what I'm saying is, so we're flexible and. Yeah. It can be last minute. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say if you find artists that you know that you want to come, just reach out to them. I mean, most of them, their website's got contact information. I would just email them or call them and say, hey, I'm interested. I like your music. I'm interested in having you come play my venue. You know, again, it's going to come down a lot of times to finances. And so maybe it, it might be a thing where you need to find a way to stretch that budget a little bit to bring someone in that you normally wouldn't if you think that they can draw a crowd. That's what I Does that need. Make sense? Someone that could draw a yeah. crowd. So cause... that's more expensive because they've started building an audience and they got more, oh, right. uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, they got more of a presence that people understand who they are and want to come see them. Yeah. I mean, if you've got John Doe, who is a new artist and has been around for a couple of months and is starting to try, trying to get out and mm-hmm. do something, that's great. And he can come for a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. But if you want sidewalk profits to come, oh, right. You know, they can't do it for a hundred bucks, yeah. you know, but what, find out what that, so sometimes it's going to be, you can contact them directly on the website or you have to find out who, the, who their management company is, but usually that's also on the website yeah. as well. 
So, yeah. yeah, I think that's we get that a lot. It's it's hard. Like after we started having success and playing more, like you know, we went from two guys in college, like I was saying earlier. Now we have, you know, prior to the pandemic, we have 15 people on the road, a tour bus. And I think people people are always like, well, what about, isn't this for ministry? Like, and so we're talking about the finances part of everything. And it's like, yeah, it is about the ministry, but we couldn't, we can't just get on a tour bus, which is thousands of thousands of dollars. Uh, we can't without paying our bills. I always feel like, I always have this like little like guilt when they, when they ask that question. It's like, it's not, we're not trying to be like, obviously we want to be good stewards of what we have and we're not trying to be cold-blooded like take all your money but it's like we've got to be able to at least pay for get, to get to point a to point b you, you got know? 15 people that you're yeah. that you yeah. employ yeah you know so when it gets to the, their, their size of a band you know you got you're paying 15 people's salaries if that makes sense mm-hmm. plus a tour bus which yeah. is stupid expensive <laughs> it's like the best and worst day of your life is what everybody that has a bus <laughs> is getting says. a tour bus yeah, yeah. yeah. you know so, so yeah. it depends on you know maybe you can't afford sidewalk profits but you can afford a smaller band that's just getting maybe not getting started but they've got some success and people are know are known re- even if it's just regionally maybe not na- maybe not nationally known but does that make sense is that helpful yes um and I know it's exhaustive sure. if you can't pay these people, but passing a hat helps. Like yeah, the old you can house do love offerings. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. done tons of love offerings. Yeah. Sometimes I actually prefer to do love yeah. offerings. You'd be amazed yeah. sometimes how much more money you can make mm-hmm. during a love offering than when you get paid direct. Yeah. Especially when you're going to like a church. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other story. I won't, we won't go into that. <laughs> but that, it's it's really interesting how that kind of works out sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes a lot of times I'll do kind of a split. You know, I'll do. Sort of my layout is if I'm going to work with the church on any level, I'll go do um, a love offering basis initially. Mm-hmm. So I'll have say that you know here's my rate that I'm usually go for. Let's start. We'll start off as love offering, and then if the love offering covers that and goes over that, that's great. Um, you you know that's a huge blessing. If it doesn't quite make it to the what the rate is supposed to be, then the venue covers the difference, and that way. And that's been a really good. That's a really good way that it's worked for me. Mm-hmm. And that way, it, it, you're involving the audience. You're involving the people that they get to participate and they get to help mm-hmm. support your ministry as well. It's not just the venue that's bringing you in. If that makes sense. Yeah. How many? Let me just ask you. So you've got a venue and you've got. You said you have a daughter that's doing some music. I guess. Uh, are any of you others that are here? Are you in music or have any interest in music or doing anything? Or you're just here just for the just here for the fun that's awesome that's perfect if you got questions still please feel free to to ask Ben questions I mean you're getting to talk to sidewalk prophets that's super cool Um, and while we're waiting for that tell me um, tell me the story we were talking earlier Um, so there's a a guy named Blaine Barkus who's a friend of mine he is the A&R director for Provident Label Group so Zach Williams uh, Third Day I think now and Mm -hmm. Um, yep. A bunch of different artists, Kane, I guess, yeah. um, are all on Provident, and so uh, so Blaine is the guy who signs some of these artists. 
And we were talking about Blaine because you know Blaine a little bit. And mm -hmm. so we were talking earlier about the story of when they first kind of got going and it has some op opportunities. And yeah. <laughs> Blaine Barker said at this venue, tell me that yeah. story. Yeah, so it ties in well with the history I already shared a little bit. You know, we started in college as two guys and we and then started writing songs. And then our, our the, the college had the student uh, run record label and we did that. And then we went from there to play play youth camps. We were doing that, you know, all 12 weeks during the summer. We were doing that a ton. Then we were finally at a point where it was like, hey, you know, we're out and about. We're, we're in a van in a trailer driving around, and we get this opportunity. Like, in the, in the uh, kind of in the, on the ladder of, get, like, becoming a signed band or, you know, a national band, it's, you've kind of got to go up these rungs that you're going up. And we were at this rung that was, we're kind of like a regional band, right? And so it was like we were getting to open for other artists because we had, like people in the region knew who we were. And so it'd be like here, you know, at Life Fest, if we were, if we lived in Appleton or, you know, close, and then they were like, everybody knew we were a great band. And, you know, John Doherty might call us up and say, hey, we're going to throw you on one of our side, you know, our side stages or whatever. Yeah. You know, and so we had, so we were kind of in that point of our career. Well, somebody that knew who we were said, well, we got, uh, at the time, as many years ago, um, Blaine worked for Word. He was the head of A and R for Word right. Records, yep. and uh, the band Building 429. They were brand new uh, to that there, and they were having a lot of success. Well, we played a show in Cookville, Tennessee, and the people said, "Hey, well, we want you to open for Building 429 in Cookville," and they told us, "Oh, and by the way, uh, Blaine Barkus, legendary Blaine Barkus." <laughs> and, and back then, that's in. I mean, he's got a great history of being a successful, you know, music business person. Uh, you know, when you're not signed and you want to get signed, you hear that name, Blaine Barkas, you're just thinking, that's it. Like, I want to impress that that guy. And so we're here we are, this band, we don't have a record deal, and we're going to play the show at Cookville, <laughs> Cookville, Tennessee, opening for, you know, this up, uh, you know, this band that's on the rise, Building 429. And we, we go, we have a 15-minute set, so we're playing three songs or four songs. And we get on stage and excited, you know, I'm, my brain is thinking, we're, Blaine Barkas is out there, we're going to get a record deal. <laughs> yeah. and, and so we get on stage, and it, we played the worst set that I've ever played, ever. I broke, I'm not joking, it's okay, like, it's common for you to break a guitar string. I broke every single guitar string on my guitar and we left so deflated. First of all, we never met Blaine. I don't. He may not have been there, but we were psyched out. I think he. Was, I think he was there because he had signed Building 429. But we. I remember leaving, just being so disappointed. But I think there's a good lesson in that, because you know we didn't get assigned to a record deal until maybe four years after that. Mm. So resilience is a, you know a word that people talk about a lot. I think if you. If you have a dream and, and God plants that in your heart or, and you feel like you're called to, to do, you know, be in a music at a higher level, you, there's a lot of no's. There's a lot, a lot of bad songs, right? There, yep. there's, there's a lot of bad shows. There's a lot of missed opportunities or things that didn't go your way. And along, as you go through those roadblocks, you can choose to quit and you can choose and you can choose to go forward and I th think what you see and, and one of the things I'm most proud of for our band because we've had a lot of adversity adversity along the way is that we never quit 
even though 10 years in a van and trailer, we, we used to, I remember one time we did our taxes and I was looking at like our meal receipts. We, we, we weren't making any money, but I remember I counted it up and we ate at Subway or Taco Bell 362 days in a year. And we basically, that's, it's like in our band play, like we'd say, hey, we can't pay you anything, but we'll buy you meals, which meant you're getting Subway or Taco Bell. Yeah. But you have to go through all of the, like, it doesn't play out the same for every band. Like, sometimes it is like, oh my gosh, like your meteoric rise to success, but you have to be prepared that if, to, from get to point A to point B might be 10 years, you yeah. know? And it was for us. It was seven years, eight years before those things unfolded for us. This is just the way it goes. It is. We have another question. Yes. Okay. Um, my question is, uh, first of all, thank you for faithfully serving God by mm. doing that. I mean, you have spoken to me many times. Through your oh, thank you. For, thank you for that. Um, but secondly, I'm curious, when you got called into ministry? I think my father implanted that heart. Uh, you know, being he was a musician, but he's also like a, a lover of people. And I think the way that he parent, like he was a parent to us, that really spoke to my heart. But I would also say uh, events like these, like uh, I grew up going to life, you know, the festivals like this and seeing the bands and being a part of that and seeing that and seeing how the way that my heart was impacted at those events and the power of how music can speak to your heart and it can literally you could walk in with a you know a soul that feels like a ticking time bomb and how music can unwind that in 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 you know a 30 or 60 minute set or one song can do that and i think that's for me always what the ministry of of what this is is like we have an opportunity to to do something special to say something special and to let people know uh, whatever it is, the message that you feel like you carry. Um, and I think that that's been the driving force for us. And me personally, it's just that is, is man, what a special gift. And I know you've, you, you feel the same way because oh, yeah. you've been, we've both been at this for a long time. And it's just, there's something special about creativity and art and what that can do uh, to disarm your soul and open you up to be receive grace, receive, uh, you know, receive, mercy receive things that you wouldn't otherwise receive you know yeah, yeah. thank you for that question yeah. um we got just a few minutes left here so as we wrap up can you give some advice because this is also for people that are listening on the mm -hmm. podcast not necessarily for people that are here in person with this but just for everyone listening um what is some advice that you would give to anyone listening that's so let's let me say this for people who know sidewalk prophets and mm -hmm. know who you are mm -hmm. um you you help start the band mm -hmm. so you're a guitarist mm -hmm. you're a songwriter mm -hmm. um you stepped down from being on stage being a part of the band in that sense and now you're the manager correct right and how how many years have you been managing the band if you count all of the years that I didn't know that I was managing right. the band, the, uh, but five years specifically since I stepped off stage. Okay, yeah. so you're no longer playing with the yeah. band on stage. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, so you're doing, you've done the creative side of things as an right. artist and as a songwriter yep. and all that stuff, yep. but now you're doing the business side right. of things, managing schedules yep. Yep. and, um, you know, finances and mm -hmm. sort of all that kind of stuff. Right. Let me ask you this. What is your favorite thing 
a, what's a favorite thing that you've done through all of it? And it's okay you can to not have a favorite thing. Yeah. What's your favorite thing? And um, for people that want to do any of those things as mm-hmm. a songwriter, an artist, a manager of a band mm-hmm. or an artist, what is some practical advice that you would give to the listener yeah. in order to do that and be successful at that? So, so I'm going to pick my most recent favorite uh, just because you know, 2020 was a really difficult year. And, um, you know, we went from, we had a record coming out and we had to plan this special event where Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, which is one of the yeah. best places to play. Absolutely. And so we had this idea that we were gonna um, rent it out and gift it to, to people because like for us, we call ourselves the great big family and we call our fans the great big family. And we just, you know, we have a vision. We, we say authentically sharing Christ, creatively inspiring hope, joyfully making everyone feel like someone. And this was going to help. We're going to launch our record. We're going to invite all these people. We went and, and so we set up to do this thing. We put tickets. We had to, first of all, I had to go to Ryman Auditorium and negotiate this. And they've never done it before because they want to make money, right. you know. And yeah. so they're like, well, do you want to charge money for a ticket? And I was like, no, I don't want to charge money. I just want to pay you guys. And we'll figure it. You know, we'll figure it out. I just want to fill this room and appreciate the fans. And so I had some other friends in music industry that work in, and have worked with Ryman. They came in and helped diffuse that conversation. Wow. And so we we set this up to go to go do this. And we were nervous because we didn't know how it would go if anybody would show up. Well, we put it on sale, and like within six hours, all the tickets were gone. Nice. We're com- and we're, but we're coming back uh, from a West Coast run. And the country shuts down the week before the Ryman show. Oh, gosh. And so here we are. Like, we were just so excited. But then, obviously, like, priorities took a shift. And so we ended up doing that as a live stream. That's my long way of saying the having to adapt this year and going back to what I was talking about, re- resilience. So our team this year, we we ended up going and doing 70 live stream concerts. We we got a 2,500 square foot warehouse that we turned into an, a complete studio. And when you talk about the thing like I'm probably most proud of is that uh, we kept our team on payroll all year long, um, and the fans helped provide you know by supporting our live streams help make that happen. But the the way we adapted and we literally turned a empty warehouse into like, it was almost like, it wasn't almost, it was a TV studio. There's green screen and all this different stuff. And we literally showed up, we played four shows a week and we did these live streams and they were really creative. um, I wish I could show you guys what they were, but it's a combination. It felt like you were watching TV show plus live music. That's the thing I'm most proud of recently. That's super cool. Yeah. And what was the second part of your question there? Um, Just some advice that you would give to people that are wanting to do what you've done, whether it be as a songwriter, artist, manager, any of that kind of stuff, like some do's and don'ts, practical advice. Yeah. You know, here's what you do. Yeah. Do's and don'ts. Do practice your craft. So if if you want to be good at business... Hang out with people that are good at business. Ask questions of people that do good business. If you want to be a songwriter, same thing. Write with people that write songs. Write with people that are better at you than writing songs. Write with people that have more experience. Listen to their feedback. I've Probably the number one thing I would say as far as a do is learn how to take criticism. Uh, even, you know, I'm 40 years old and we work with a lot of adults. And, I, and I'm sure a lot of people listening and a lot of people that are here are the same way. It's like... I'm surprised I'm 40 and it's still hard to take 
feedback, critical feedback. Mm -hmm. It still hurts me. Oh, sure. And, and so I think it's an imperative skill to learn how to not be offended or defensive about hearing, hey, your song's not good. Hey, that's not good. Yeah. Hey, you did this wrong. Yeah. And to, to be like, just be able to look at it objectively and go, you, can, you might agree or disagree, but to be able to take that for what it is and really use that to your benefit and say, you know what? That lyric could have been better. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, I did, you know, I did approach this conversation, uh, you know, incorrectly or whatever. But that's what I would say is, is be able to take those, uh, the criticisms and the failures and use those to your advantage. Grow from those and be resilient. That's great. Yeah. I use the three-person rule when I get advice or feedback mm -hmm. on something is I ask three people that's there. A, that's and great. It's, and if it's all similar feedback... And it's like, yeah, it could be better, you know, whatever, then I'll take it for sure. Because yeah. everyone's got their own opinion. It's all just opinions, mm -hmm. ultimately. Yep. But if they're people that are successful at what they do and you, you trust them and yep. their experience and expertise, um, you know, if one person says, eh, and the other two people say, no, it's great like it is, I'm going to keep it the way that it is. Yep. If two or, two or more say, you might want to change something, then I'm going to really take a look at that kind of thing, yep. you know, as well. So, yeah. Thank you, Ben, for oh, being on you. this, this is, podcast today. Dude, this is such an awesome show. What you're doing is awesome, and I'm thankful to be a part. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys for being the very first live audience ever. And we're at, uh, for everyone listening, we're at Life Fest uh, Music Festival in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And um, thank Life Fest for having us. And thank you guys for listening. I'm so grateful. Uh, you can make a living in the music industry for anybody who wants or is wanting to or actively trying to make a living in music on any format of music, uh, you can do it. Uh, it's hard work, and there's a long, a long road, but there are ways that you can do it. And um, so, thank you guys for being a part of it, and you just have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. All right, guys, there you go. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited to finally get to put out my first live audience participation episode out. So thank you guys for listening and being a part of that. I hope you're able to take what we've talked about, what Ben's talked about, and what the audience were asking and different things like that. So hopefully some of those things that they were asking are some questions that maybe you've had and have been wanting to ask. And so it's just a really neat opportunity to look at it from maybe a different perspective. So thank you so much for being a part of that. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. I know we talk about this every week but it really makes a huge difference if you guys are subscribing and letting your friends know about it and communicating it to other people and just kind of getting the word out about the podcast. If you know someone who is currently trying to make a living in the music business or are actively doing so, but they just need more information, more help with things, different aspects of the business, please send them our way. We want them to know about this and so they can take part in what's going on here on this podcast. Please subscribe. Uh, hit me up on Instagram and Facebook on the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry page on Facebook, Instagram at John Martin Keith. And remember, Edenbrook Productions is here to help if you need consulting services via phone call, Skype, Zoom, or FaceTime. Let us know how we can help you begin to make a living in the music industry.